Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Before you go up to Kids Church, I got two gifts this weekend, and and I needed help deciding which one to open first. Kids, which one should I open first? This one? Lexi's pointing at this one. Does everyone think that? Yeah? Yeah? This one? It kind of looks prettier, huh? Let's open it and see what's inside. It's not super heavy. Hmm. What could it be? It's a box! An Amazon Prime box, even. Let's see. I'm excited. Oh. It's a nickel. I'm five cents richer. Do you guys think I should even open the other one? Should I see what's in there? I mean, it's not very pretty, but let's see. Let's see what's in there. It's a $100 bill. Oh, my word. I am so rich. I'm going to go buy some coffee. Just kidding. All right, kids, you can go up to church. Thanks for helping me choose that gift. (laughs) Bye, kids. It's so fun to have them in service, at least for for part of the service on on the first three Sundays, and then family Sundays we get to, to have them for the whole service. But I thought they could help me with that. You guys could have helped me too, but eh, their opinion matters more when it comes to presents. (laughs) Just kidding. So clearly, they were inclined to tell me to open the prettier gift first, right? Um, But that's the one that grabs our attention. It has a pretty bow on it. It looks so nice. Uh, But but what was in the the ugly gift was a a little bit more valuable, right? Uh, It just goes to show that What's on the inside hardly ever has anything to do with what it happens to be packaged in. Um, some, of the, some of the best gifts I've ever gotten <laughs> were wrapped in unappealing wrapping, maybe a brown grocery bag or, a, or, a, or a, a plastic grocery bag. If you know me, you know that I love coffee and coffee mugs. Okay, My all-time favorite coffee mug, which has now been broken, sadly, um, it was wrapped in a brown paper sack that was tied with a hair tie. Um, the reason I remember that is because of how meaningful that was for me. It didn't matter that it was wrapped in a brown paper sack. What was inside meant so much. You see, what's on the inside nearly has nothing to do with what it happens to be packaged in. And that seems to be a common theme for Luke's gospel, which is where we're going to spend a little bit of time today. Um, We've had the privilege of spending some time in Jeremiah with Pastor Trent, um, and then you guys got to hear from Brent uh, last week. 
um, which I hope was good for you. Um, but you see, more than any of the other Gospels, Luke has pretty specific intentions and, uh, and themes within his parables. And those intentions and themes come out pretty regularly. Um, and we're going to see those in our story today. Um, fun little nugget of, of truth, if you didn't already know this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, out of the four Gospels, these are considered to be what are called synoptic Gospels, which just means they overlap in, in the stories that they tell. They tell often the same stories about Jesus, but obviously they tell it in different from a different perspective because it's a different writer, right? Luke, however, tends to go rogue a bit more than the other Gospels. Um, we're not even going to talk about John. John is the black sheep of the Gospels. We all know that. I love John. It's my favorite gospel. Um, but Luke goes rogue a little bit more often when it comes to his stories, and he inserts a few more unique stories that aren't in Mark or Matthew into his gospel. And I think it's because he had this, this agenda in mind, and it's, it's a good one. It's a good agenda, and, and you're going to pick up on it today. But today we're going to turn to one of those stories in Luke that we don't see in the other Gospels. So if you have your Bibles today, uh, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 18? If you have a Bible device, that also works. Um, Luke chapter 18, I'm going to re be reading verses 9 through 14, and I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible. Um, if you're willing and able, would you stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word um, as I read today? Again, this is Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, and I believe it'll be on the screen as well. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else. Crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low. And those who make themselves low will be lifted up. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. You can be seated. Oh, not yet. <laughs> That'll be later, but you got a little sneak peek. Spoiler alert. So this is, this is one of those parables, those lessons that, that I think speaks a pretty obvious lesson, right? One that we read and think, yeah, that's a good lesson. And then maybe we move on to the next parable, the next lesson in Luke. In fact, that's my sermon for today. You can go home now. I'm just kidding. But perhaps you hear this lesson in Luke, and maybe you think, I relate with the tax collector who came to the temple, broken and humble, to pray for forgiveness. I would guess and hope that many of you have had a moment like that in your life, maybe several moments. That is so, so good. But if that's all we've gleaned from this story, then we've missed something. If you relate with the tax collector, this is a great story. But Luke didn't write it for you. 
and Jesus didn't teach it for you. You see, the first verse that we read, it says, Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. You see, this parable is not for the disgusting ones. It's for the ones who deem other people disgusting. And that's quite a perspective shift, right? We read the Gospels and we think, I'm a sinner. This can be for me. It is for you. But it's for people that, like Jesus said, that have convinced themselves that they are righteous. You see, in Luke, there are layers upon layers of irony. Irony in the original hearers of this parable, thinking that they were righteous, right? When, in fact, they're the ones that Jesus is speaking against. He's calling them out. And then there's irony in our hearing of the story, when we might be inclined to point our fingers at the finger pointers, point our fingers at the Pharisees, and be like, that is not very nice of you. But let's look at the two subjects in the story, right? The Pharisee and the tax collector. Even those who haven't spent a lot of time in the Bible uh, or in church know that tax collectors are considered among the worst of the worst, right? It's a word that's thrown around to describe those who are sinners. Nobody likes them. Characters in these stories are constantly heckling Jesus for spending time with these tax collectors. And why? Because they were hated. Why were they hated so much? It's not just because they collected taxes. That's maybe what we think. Obviously, people, we don't like it when people take our money, even if it's the law to pay that money. But that's not necessarily the only reason why tax collectors were hated. The real reason that the Jews hated tax collectors was because tax collectors worked for the Roman government. They would go out and collect the taxes from the people, but they could collect whatever amount they wanted. And they only had to pay the Roman government the actual tax amount. Whatever they collected over that amount was profit for them in their pockets. The worst part for the Jews was that these tax collectors were often Jews themselves. And so they were considered traitors and a disgrace to the Jewish religion. Pharisees, on the other hand, uh, were the religious elite, right? They were laypersons. They showed up to church every Sunday, maybe even every Wednesday. They were considered religious leaders in the Jewish religion because they studied the Torah. And they knew the Jewish law inside and out. Not only did they know it, but they practiced it. That's good, right? And though we think that the Pharisees, we read that, and it, it automatically has a, a negative connotation for us, right? Because we think of them as pompous and conceited, because that's often what the stories are getting at, right? But many Jews in that time looked up to these men because they followed Jewish religion by the book. That's why Jesus' teachings about the Pharisaic behaviors were so scandalous to these people hearing it for the first time. They looked to these people as leaders, and here Jesus is saying, I don't know if you want to be doing what they're doing. So not only is there irony in those hearing Jesus' lesson, there's irony in the main subjects of this lesson. The tax collector, the nominal Jew, hated by his neighbors, and the Pharisee, the Jewish poster child, respected by his community, right? 
But perhaps the most noteworthy layer of irony, at least in my opinion, is tucked away in the context of this parable, the passages before and after, and even the whole book of Luke. It all kind of meshes together once you read the whole thing. You see, after this story, parents were bringing their children into the temple to be blessed by Jesus, and the disciples thought, oh, Jesus is too busy. So they were sending these parents away. Um, but Jesus instead invited those children to come, saying, these are the people of my kingdom. <laughs> they know what's up. Directly before the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector that we read today, Jesus tells the listeners about the judge who appeased this widow's request for justice simply because he was annoyed with her. In contrast to the judge, God is faithful and quick to respond to requests for justice. And then Jesus conveys this question that God asks right before today's parable, verse 8. When the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? Those listening to Jesus, the original audience, those certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous probably thought to themselves and maybe even responded to that question in verse 8, well, of course, Jesus, we're faithful. I'm inclined to think Jesus is telling this parable because of actual events. Maybe he overheard a Pharisee praying and a tax collector praying. Of course, Jesus, unlike the crooks and the evildoers, and, and this tax collector, I give a tenth of my income, and I fast twice a week. That's more than the law requires. I'm also inclined to think that those listening to Jesus were pretty proud of themselves and didn't really understand the real meaning of Jesus' lesson until the last two sentences that we read. Luke doesn't include the rest of the story the response of those listening. I imagine it wasn't very pretty. I imagine it went a little bit like this, and Allison, cue the video. <laughs> Here they are, listening. So cute. <laughs> cute little pugs tilting their heads. Thanks, Allison. I imagine the Pharisees were a little bit like that. They were listening so intently, thinking Jesus was going to, you know, give them a gold star. And then he slaps them in the face with this, with this saying that the tax collector is the one who goes home justified. And they're just like, huh? That's not where I thought that was going. You see, this is the wildest and coolest thing about Jesus coming on the scene. It's not just irony we see in Jesus and his teaching but it's a total reversal of the norms and expectations of the time. See, everyone listening expected to hear Jesus end the parable like this. I tell you, the Pharisee is indeed more righteous than the tax collector. All who lift themselves up are the most holy, and all who make themselves low will be stepped on. That's what they thought it would say. That's what they thought Jesus would say, right? But what does he say instead? I tell you, this person, this tax collector, went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. And then he says this, 
all who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. As I read that this week, it reminded me of another passage of scripture. If you're familiar with Paul's letters, you've probably heard it. This is in Paul's letter to the, to the Philippians. Chapter 2. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then this part, therefore God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the passage that Trent read earlier from Joel, it says, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. A little bit later in this chapter of Luke, a rich man asks Jesus this question. He says, what must I do, teacher, to obtain eternal life? And though... Our parable today is before that passage. I think Jesus is kind of answering that question right here in our parable today. Before we start to think the real lesson that Jesus is trying to convey is in the words of the Pharisee and the tax collector, I want to take a closer look at the passage. Let's take note of some of those other details. I have a question, and you can answer this. What was the, the Pharisee's physical posture as he prayed? Do you guys remember from the passage? Yeah, he was standing. What was the posture of the tax collector? He was also standing, but at a distance. What would you say, Jed? He had his head down. He was striking his chest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he was standing at a distance, but he couldn't even look up to heaven. He was so ashamed of himself. Another important distinction is each person, the Pharisee and the tax collector, their, their mental posture as they prayed. The Pharisee prayed about himself. Thank you, God, that I'm not like these people. While the tax collector prayed for himself. God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. Now, why is that important? You see, what Jesus was concerned with wasn't the physical postures of the Pharisee and the tax collector, though those physical postures were sourced from something else, right? What Jesus was concerned with was the posture of their hearts. Here's the kicker. Justification and even salvation isn't dependent on what we look like on the outside, <laughs> all the fancy or right things that we do like this Pharisee did, but, but what's in our hearts? The things this tax collector did weren't right. They were even detestable. He stole money from people. But even more detestable to God in this instance was the Pharisee's reliance on his own strength, 
his trust in himself. One Bible scholar that I read this week wrote this. He said, only the internal orientation of the heart matters in salvation. And I read that. Only the internal orientation of the heart matters in salvation. I had to read it a few times before, before it sunk in because my first reaction is to think, well, of course that's not true. Like, of course our, ma- our actions matter too, right? The things that we do on the outside matter. But then I realized something, <laughs> why that writer was writing that. Our actions, the things we do, are a reflection of what's inside. So if the orientation of our heart, the posture of our heart is toward God, then our actions will reflect that. So of course only the internal orientation matters in salvation. So is the Pharisee a hypocrite? Maybe. I don't think that's what Jesus is necessarily getting at here, though that's sometimes our first reaction. The Pharisee did did the things he did because he wanted to be noticed and respected for being righteous, not necessarily because he wanted to please God. Maybe it started that way, but he liked the attention. Imagine if his prayer were simply, God, thank you that I'm not like everyone else. The first part of his prayer, and it ended there. I think that would have been appropriate if what he meant was, God, thank you that you have set me apart for your kingdom work. But instead, this prayer turns into ridicule of the man kneeling next to him, praying. You see, the humble orientation of the tax collector's heart made possible his forgiveness. Which brings me to something else I read this week in my reading, which says, if humility makes repentance possible, its opposite, which is pride before God, negates it. In other words, even if we ask for forgiveness, if we don't actually mean it and desire it and recognize that we don't actually deserve it, then forgiveness won't come. But we serve a forgiving God. We worship a God who asks us to throw our whole selves onto his mercy and compassion. Earlier, I mentioned that that Luke weaves this very intentional theme into his gospel, right? That theme is compassion for the lost and for the outcast. You see it almost throughout the whole story, the whole book of Luke. Just in this chapter, chapter 18, we have the widow and then the repentant tax collector from our story today, the children and the blind man. All people and groups who were treated poorly because of their status or condition. In Luke 14, a few chapters before this, Jesus tells those listening to invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind to their banquets and to give them the best seats in the house. The Pharisees were pretty upset about that. In Luke chapter 5, we see a similar scenario as today. Pharisees were perturbed because Jesus was giving attention to these tax collectors. And then in the next chapter, I believe, is where we hear the story of Zacchaeus, right? The rich tax collector who repented and then gave back to the people what he had stolen. 
there were so many, there were so many directions that I could have taken with, with this passage today. Um, but God put something very specific on my heart. And, and thankfully, God makes it hard to ignore that. <laughs> makes it hard for me to put my own spin on things um, and reminds me that it's his word that I'm preaching to you. You see, Luke understands something about Jesus that seems to escape many. And that is that God is faithful. Faithful to love. Faithful to hear and respond to prayer. Faithful to forgive even the worst of sinners. But this parable begs the question, who is the sinner here? Well, that's up for interpretation. But I think it's, I think it's mostly clear. Both the Pharisee and the tax collector are sinners. But that's not, that's not the word that God put on my heart to share with you today. What's even more clear, to me at least, hopefully to you, and what's even truth, is that both the Pharisee and the tax collector are granted the opportunity to receive forgiveness from God if they only ask. I believe every passage of scripture invites us to respond in some way. Earlier I mentioned this question that God had asked and that Jesus told in his lesson, but when the human one comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? And the answer is yes. Faithfulness is found in our humble response to God's faithfulness. In the humble response of the tax collector who recognized his own shortcomings and his own brokenness and asked for forgiveness and mercy. Today's invitation is simple. And I ask this question, does your heart need a posture adjustment? I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. Maybe you see yourself in the Pharisee today, needing to check your heart and your attitude toward another person. Or maybe you see yourself in the tax collector, broken and desperate, in need of God's mercy. Something that I, I didn't talk about, but that God really wanted me to share was that confession is a very important part of asking for forgiveness. Owning what we've done and, and where we are isn't so that God can be in the know. God already knows what we've done and who and where we are, right? You see, true confession comes from a posture of humility. This tax collector saying to himself, what have I done? When we humble ourselves before God, something powerful happens. God hears an honest heart and does what God promises to those to do for those who ask. God forgives even the most undeserving sinner. God forgives even me. So if your heart needs a posture adjustment today, or if you just need to get right with God, um, these altars are great places to do that. They're not magic, they're just wood. But something sacred happens when we step out in faith, trusting in the sanctifying grace of God. If you do come and pray at the altars, no one's going to ask you about what you're praying for, but someone might come pray with you because that's what we do for each other in the body of Christ. 
But if you do want somebody to pray with you and for you, just ask. We also do that for each other in the body of Christ. There's no shame here, just forgiveness. Lord, would you grant us today the courage to recognize in ourselves where where the posture of our heart is, where our hearts are oriented. God, and would you help us to to turn that over to you, (laughs) to let you readjust our hearts so that the only thing that we're focused on is you, God. God, and as we approach your throne today, as we sing, as we respond, would you help us to have repentant hearts, to ask for forgiveness, because we trust that you will forgive. Lord, be with us in this time. Grant us with your presence, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.